Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> All right, hello everybody, and welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And oh boy, we are excited that you are joining us once again. Welcome, for welcome, what... welcome. Yeah. So we have got drinks and stories for you. We're going back up to the Arctic regions of the Earth, to the Inuit people up there. The coolest place on Earth, Ooh, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Antarctic. Yeah. Too, but, well, you know, basically. Hey, Lindsay, okay. Basically. Now, I know you know this, but maybe there are some listeners that don't. I probably don't. <laughs> okay. So how do you know the difference between uh, the Arctic and the Antarctic? Um, one has ants. Ants? Uh, well, you're close. I'm you're, just kidding. You're close. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> really? You don't, you don't know? Uh, there's there's, lots, no, of, there's no. lots of differences. I don't mean to call you out. I'm not as out. much I, of a nature I, fan I, as I you are. I thought you would know all of the no, ants, Antarctica versus... Uh, okay, so tell well, me. Tell well, the, me the, your the obvious you know, ones are the Arctic is like the, the North Pole up in Santa. It's oh, yeah. The, well, I know the, like... It's like North like versus South, yes. But the differences yeah. between the two. For one, the North Pole and the, the Arctic region has over 2 million people that live up there. Uh, the Antarctic has nobody that lives there. Well, except for some scientists. Well, yeah, yeah, they're they scientists. Really and they've, got, they've got, yeah, they've, they've got in, uh, a people that Temporary is... Temporary station. Yeah, that kind of population. And, uh, but the, my favorite part about, about the differences between the two of them, who was Arcturus in the sky? Who is what? Arcturus, if I say who, uh, up, the, up there, that constellation. Arcturus. Arcturus. I have no idea oh really oh Linz, i'm sorry again i don't mean to call you out this is but Arct- i'm an anthro person i'm not a like hard not a stars I, 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 I'm, I'm a dabbler <laughs> it's really showing i'm i'm you want to talk about people i got you okay we'll get around <laughs> you to people talk about <laughs> anything else i don't know <laughs> but arcturus is the bear <laughs> okay i thought that was the ursa constellations yeah yeah so oh, so it's like a polar bear constellation yeah. ah. so we have the arctos being bear I could be wrong on this. I don't know. I've just been drinking and I'm not researching this. I'm. This is maybe true. Lindsay, Lindsay may have just truth bombed right back to me on that one. Because <laughs> well, there's that, like Ursa Arctos? Major no, and Ursa Minor. But where right? does where does so Arctos is a bear somewhere? I think that's Greek. Could be Greek. Oh, the, my Greek friends. Kill We're gonna me if pretend it's Greek. that it's Greek. I bet you it's Greek. Anyway, so bear. So Antarctos is no bears. So. The, the I mean, one, they're not wrong. Yeah, the one with the bears Probably. is the Arctic. The one without the bears is the other one. But they, okay. you know, in, in exchange, they have penguins, and they're pretty cool. That that is very true. Penguins yeah. are pretty much awesome. <laughs> but so this that, <laughs> this ties into the fact that we definitely will, in the future, be featuring a creature from Antarctica. 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 Yeah, we've actually yeah, got one talk. from Antarctica. And it is cool. I mean, it's obviously people that are not from Antarctica that came up with this creature, but it, that's where it's located. So it is a creature from Antarctica. I yeah. can't say that. I suck at saying that. Forgive me. We're going to get some practice. It'll be fun. <laughs> we will. Maybe. Maybe it'll sound just as dumb then. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. it is coming. But we, you know, today we've got we've an exciting got some show other too. Cool ones too. Yeah. But yes, now we're talking about the actual like North Arctic. Yeah. So, so so on our way up, we'd have to go all the way from from Utah. We would go all the way up north along the Rocky Mountains, up 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 through Canada, all the way up 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 through northern Canada to the really cold parts of Canada, to the really Arctic parts up there, straight up there. And so, what what are you drinking as you go up straight up that line up to the north? Um. Well. Currently, we're drinking a, a classic Canadian concoction. Yeah. Um, 
called the Caesar. Oh, yes. Uh, I've, I've actually so, had a Caesar as I've traveled to Canada. Um, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, Classic yeah. Canadian, right? So for those of you that don't know, um, a Caesar is also called a Bloody Caesar, which is very similar to a Bloody Mary, which I, is one of Logan's favorite drinks. I kind of feel it's kind of a cooler name. I've got to give it to him. The Caesar? Yeah, oh, yeah. Just objectively, uh, if we if we in the English language have to settle on only one name for this drink, I'd be cool with calling it a Caesar. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, um, Caesar was pretty bloody by the time Brutus was done with him. So there's that. Yeah. I don't even know if that's what this is named after, but regardless, Feels he was like definitely bloody. Be. Yeah. No, no. He at got the same time, a whole lot of time. Bloody Mary, also cool. You know, for you ghosty yes. folks out there. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to snatch away one of your, one of your own drinks. Uh, yeah. We got to be sensitive to you folks too. <laughs> They are so, both very cool in their own right. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we love both our history nerds and our ghost nerds, um, whether you Absolutely. call this a Caesar or a Bloody Mary. But there's actually a difference on this one, isn't there, Linz? Yes. Um, so the Caesar is made with the addition of clam juice. Yep. And so it's the same, like, tomato, the tomato that you get with the Bloody Mary, but then you also add in clam juice. And there's a, a couple other... There's other variants, too, with, I think, uh, snow crab or with lobster, but I think they're called something different. So this is the Caesar with uh, clam juice. A squirt of clam juice. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, or if you're us um, and many other people, <laughs> basically Clamato. <laughs> yeah. So you use that because it, it already has everything you need, including the clam broth. No, no I'll, um, t- I'll tell you the trick to Clamato. I'll tell you how to, how to enjoy Clamato. <laughs> yes, tell me. <laughs> It's got to be really cold. It's got to be really cold. That's, I kind of feel that's why it super fits this episode. Okay, yeah. Because it takes on kind of a salty, briny flavor. and really, oh, when, We do have a stack of ice in our drinks. Yeah, so. when, when making a Bloody Mary, I will usually throw in a splash of pickle juice, some, you know, a, a, a drip of, you know, garlic and stuff like that. And... and I get a little creative with it, and I probably would grab something like clam juice if I was in a kitchen that had clams. Um, now, crab <laughs> juice, uh, I just, that's a... <laughs> that seems weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just anyway, it so... <laughs> takes me back to the, the, the Simpsons callback of Kalkalash and, and crab juice and Mountain Dew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so here's our recipe for lack of a better word, for this. First, you rim a highball glass with lime, and then you dip it into some celery salt, right? Um, Then you add a whole bunch of ice. Technically, it's optional. We don't recommend not having ice. Um, (laughs) But then you're going to add a shot of vodka. You are going to add a couple of dashes of Worcestershire sauce. Nailed it. Well, well done. And well nailed done, Linz. it. Worcestershire. That's right, guys. Um, as many other know it, Worcestershire. 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 Yeah. You heard it here. Worcestershire. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, I, it's really showing. <laughs> You're practicing. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, so two two dashes of Worcestershire sauce. Two dashes of Tabasco. Honestly, these are both to taste. If you want less of one, more of another, totally up to you. This, this requires a creative mind here. Absolutely. Really oh, totally. Embrace it. and uh, Yes. Extra um, so, points if you can make the second one taste the same. That's, very true. <laughs> F- fine. 
find your perfect Caesar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you'll squeeze in a bit of lime. You're going to stick that lime wedge on your glass. Top that drink up with Clamato. And then uh, you and you can just buy Clamato at like a grocery store somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to garnish with a celery stick or a stem of pickled asparagus or green olives. Basically, whatever the hell you want to garnish it with. You know, um, we've had some like Bloody Marys that have been stacked all over. I think we had chocolate-covered bacon on one once. Yes, our, they've, they've gotten pretty <laughs> elaborate among our, our, our little group. Um, Have a meal for, on for, skewers. For me, I, I would call this recipe a Bloody Mary plus a good solid shot of give-a-damn plus some clam. And yeah. that's the recipe. It's a really job, nice Canadians. Bloody Mary with a, just a little extra... Uh, now, here's the deal with clam... I don't crave clam. It's not something that I really think is a great flavor that I just think, mm, yeah, that's what I'm feeling today is clam. Nope. But I kind of feel that's because I'm from the mountains. I'm from inland. I think if I was from a region where there were fresh clams every day, uh, yeah. I would feel really differently about them. I don't want to say, ew, too gross. I just feel like maybe I haven't had a whole lot of access to great clams in my life. Well, Logan, take yeah. a sip. Tell me how you feel. It's how, a, how do you, how do you like this? It's nice. It, it has. I mean, it just it has just a, a. I don't know. Just it has a little bit of taste. Taste little, the ocean too. A little it, something you know? different. Yeah. 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 I think that's definitely what it is. Mm-hmm. That that ocean vibe. You yeah. know. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Bloody Marys to begin with, so. This is very much more a Logan ass drink. I have one in front of me. It's a baby one. And I've tasted it and it tastes okay. I also have a cider with me. <laughs> Just because. <laughs> but yeah, I mean if if you like Bloody Marys or if you have had Caesars and you know that you love them, go make yourself one. Drink yeah. those with us and um tuck in and we're gonna tell some stories and drink here's here's what i challenge you to do really if you're kind of a bloody mary person and you don't really see the point of a caesar uh really just try to embrace it try to really find out what sets it apart um maybe garnish it with some some pickled clam or something like that to really go nuts on it yeah i mean you never know if you're actually gonna really like it because it definitely it's not just like drinking straight up clam juice. Like yeah. that would be disgusting, right? It's clearly adding something to this drink, yeah. something a little extra. Mm-hmm. So uh, give it a try. You know, you you never know if it's going to be your new favorite drink instead of what you normally make. <laughs> you know, it could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so give that a try. We recommend it. It's obviously our cocktail for this week. And we are sipping, sipping and telling some pretty cool stories that we found yeah these are stories from again the really really cold parts of the world so logan what's our first one though our first one is it's a story called sedna and uh well just take a listen and then we'll talk about once there was a young woman named sedna she lived in the arctic with her mother and father she loved her mother and father very much and was very content her father was a skilled hunter so he provided very well for his family Sedna had plenty of food and warm furs to wear. She liked the comfort of her parents' home and refused to marry. Many Inuit men desired Sedna for a wife and asked her parents for permission to marry her. But Sedna refused them all. 
Even when her parents insisted it was time for her to marry, she refused to follow tradition and obey them. This continued for quite some time, until one particular Inuk came to visit Sedna. This man promised Sedna that he would provide her with plenty of food to eat and furs for clothes and blankets. Sedna agreed to marry him. After they were man and wife, he took her away to his island. When they were alone on the island, he revealed to her that he was not a man at all, but a bird dressed up as a man. Sedna was furious, but she was trapped and had to make the best of it. He, of course, was not a good hunter and could not provide her with meat and furs. All the birdman could catch was fish. Sedna got very tired of eating fish every day. They lived together on the island for a time, until Sedna's father decided to come and visit. Upon seeing that his daughter was so unhappy and that her husband had lied to her, he killed the birdman. Sedna and her father got into his kayak and set off for home. The birdman's friends discovered what they had done and wanted to avenge the birdman's death. They flew above the kayak and flapped their wings very hard. The flapping of their wings resulted in a huge storm. The waves crashed over the small kayak, making it almost impossible to keep the boat upright. Sedna's father was so frightened that the storm would fill his kayak with water and that he would drown in the icy waters that he threw Sedna overboard. He thought that this would get the birds to stop flapping their wings, but it did not. Sedna did not want to be left in the water, so she held tightly to the edge of her father's boat and would not let go. Fearing that she would tip him over, the father cut her fingers off, one joint at a time. From each of her finger joints, different sea creatures were born. They became fish, seals, walruses, and whales. Sedna sank to the bottom of the ocean, and there became a powerful spirit. Her home is now on the ocean floor. If you have seen her, you know she has the head and torso of a woman and the tail of a fish. Sedna now controls all of the animals of the sea. The Inuit who rely upon those animals want to maintain a good relationship with Sedna, so that she will continue to allow her animals to make themselves available to the hunters. Inuit have certain taboos that they must follow to keep Sedna happy. One of these says that when a seal is killed, it must be given a drink of fresh water, not salt water. If the hunters do not catch anything for a long time, the shaman will transform himself into a fish. In this new form, he or she will swim down to the bottom of the ocean to appease Sedna the sea goddess. The shaman will comb the tangles out of Sedna's hair and put it into braids. This makes her happy and soothes her anger. Perhaps it is because Sedna lost her fingers that she likes to have her hair combed and braided by somebody else. When she is happy, she allows her animals to make themselves available to the hunters. Animals do not mind giving themselves to provide food, clothes, and shelter for the Inuit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, <laughs> so that one is kind of one of their one of their first stories. Um, that's one of their their main figures in their stories. There are things about this story that I loved, and things about this story that I was like, <laughs> "What? <laughs> what is happening here?" All of the fingers and everything, and <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my first thing was like, of course, I'm just, I'm listening to this story, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, how dare she break tradition by not like getting married and whatever." Right, yeah. you know, the feminist in me was like, "Oh, oh no!" Yeah, you, we're going somewhere. This you know? is, she's the queen the of the rebellion, time, but she's like, "Oh, if you'll provide for me, I guess I'll go." Which honestly, I am not going to lie, I a little bit relate to. I'm like, yeah. "Okay, I'll find me a guy, and uh, she's going to provide." Clearly, for me and I'm she clearly hit her thirties and was like, 
Okay. I guess, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're good enough, I guess. And But then yeah. to be like, oh, damn, he's a bird. Oh, he turned out to be a goddamn bird. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> he fooled me. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, like, daddy comes to her rescue, too, you know? So it's clearly this, this kind of, I guess, privileged girl, I guess, until we, like... <laughs> Until, like, these events happen where her dad cuts off her fucking yeah, fingers. I thought that was a really interesting turn. I wonder if that's, like, where somebody else started telling the story. And it feels like, like it. Like, they feel like two said different that. stories. We're talking about old man fisherman here. This is, <laughs> this is, he's the protagonist here. Definitely. Don't you Threw feel her like overboard. The story's about this guy, <laughs> that great big fish. No. It really does feel like two different stories, kind of. You know, yeah. it's like, da-da-da-da-da-da. And then he cuts off her fucking fingers. <laughs> Yeah. And then she becomes this mythical figure, you know? Like This is a total metal song for sure. Uh, uh this one I yes. really just love that it's just building this this act that goes and it twists and he's a bird and crying! but uh yeah. This is my <laughs> new metal crazy. concept album, Said of the Sea really... Guys. <laughs> Logan, please make that. Uh please yeah, make uh, first, I have to <gasps> learn all amazing. of the instruments, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, like, it's a really weird tale. It's bizarre. Oh, it's totally In weird. the best way. In the best way. One of the things um, that I'm so excited about this is I see... Maybe maybe this is just coming from a little bit of a, a Scandinavian lens, but because a lot of these kind of spread over from the far northern regions, there are a lot of similar elements um sometimes there are giants they have dwarves i haven't found a whole lot that are elves or anything like that and they mm-hmm. have wizards and they have kind of i mean you think oh they they live up and they sit around the campfire and they do don't do a whole lot when the seal are not plentiful no they're awesome they have a cool various and storied history uh and really vibrant characters like this one Absolutely. And I mean, she turns into a fucking mermaid. So yeah. Oh, she's hell she's yeah. so much more than a mermaid. I picture her as Oh yeah. Um okay. Classification uh, wise, I mean like half woman, half fish. If anyone what? wants to fall down a YouTube hole, what I'm thinking, <laughs> what I'm visualizing is uh Queen as Shara from the World of Warcraft. Yes, I am one of those nerds. But she they have the Warbringer I was video. Very briefly. Yeah, so the the Warbringer video, they have an animation of this the she's the Naga queen and she has this this uh, hair of snakes and a serpentine body and this in several arms and she is commanding the seas around her because she listened to the voice in the darkness and I really I thought that was a cool uh just a a neat that's a fun uh, visual. transformation and that's kind of what I visualized with this character. Yeah. I was all about, like, mermaids. Like, I, I freaking love mermaids. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I was a, like, seven-year-old girl at some point in my life, and I was all about mermaids. I was all about dolphins and horses, just like every super nerdy little <laughs> little girl can be sometimes. Um, and I was definitely that girl, you know. Loved fantasy books. I was cookie-cutter, like, textbook nerd girl you know and mermaids are awesome so i was really excited because i'm like half fish half woman oh yeah she's a mermaid i think they're pretty cool but she's also a fingerless mermaid i like the magic the gathering merfolk uh that's kind of my my side of things (laughs) 
<laughs> it never got into magic. Oh, yeah. There were some sweet merfolk. Uh, you know, if anyone's out there, they're like, oh, man, mermaids. Ugh, that's so. No, no, dude. Check out some merfolk. Google image search it. They're sweet uh, fish people for sure. But uh, once you get past that, they're pretty cool. I uh, think mermaids are pretty badass. I'm just saying. I like them. Hey, did you see Aquaman? I mean, not yet. I'm planning on it, but I haven't. Oh, yet. it's pretty cool. I saw it in the IMAX I mean, 3D. And <laughs> there's literally one reason that I'm going. And oh, I think it, you know exactly what that reason is. Yeah. And Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Yeah. It's it's as fun to say as he is care. to look at. Yeah. He's, I don't care it, if the movie is terrible, which it may not be. I really don't care. I'm there for a reason. And it's Michael Drogo, obviously. Oh, he's great. He's. I, <laughs> I haven't read a whole lot of the reviews. I'm not a movie reviewer, but I liked it. I liked it in IMAX 3D. I went and saw it with my mom. It was fun. Yeah. It looks entertaining at the very least. And I will be entertained. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but is there, is there like mermaids in that then? Oh, yes. It's all a lot of fish creature effects and going down to Atlantis. And I don't I think there are, they were like there, are, there are there are there are kind of fishy people in it, but they're a little bit more Pirates of the Caribbean. They're okay. uh, they're human fish hybrids. Uh, gotcha. But that's actually that's actually something that um, I found quite a bit in these Inuit stories. Uh, okay. Humans that turn into animals. Um, and it's usually they cried so much they turned into a this or they... There was one woman whose hair got twisted and tied around a boat, and it, she became a narwhal. Interesting. Well, and I think that kind of ties in with this story, with like what happened with her fingers. You know mm-hmm. how each finger turned into a sea creature. Yeah, which was really cool. A weird, like a super weird way for that to happen, but it was pretty oh, cool for sure. <laughs> um, and with her whole way of, of appeasing her, and like by going down and braiding her hair and everything. If you didn't have fingers, you would want somebody to braid your hair too. That it's Let's just part real. of the shaman's job. Oh, this is something straight out of a, you know, an RPG of, oh, totally. you know, once a year, the great shaman goes to the cliffside, becomes a great fish and dives into the seas. Then when he is at the bottom of the seas, he braids Sedna's hair so that she blesses us with good harvest from the seas in the next winter. And it's, and it's nuts. I would play the shit out of this game. That's a complete fantasy world right there. Wouldn't you? Like this Arctic world. They're pretty cool. And all the mythology within it. I would play the shit out of this. Like make this another God of War, please. But that being said, it belongs to them. I would like them to make it and I would buy it. If we think about it. Like the people that make God of War definitely don't, or they don't own the Greek pantheon. They don't own no. the Norse pantheon. They're just going through and murdering everyone, and it's but, whatever. But at the same time, um, one <laughs> thing that cool. I've kind of, one thing that I've kind of found is with all of these stories, there is a certain degree of reverence. Mm-hmm. They they are their own, and they are shared only with trusted good friends. And while we are laughing about them, and uh, but the, really, these are something that. They were actually kind of hard to find great stories from this world, because, not because they are, aren't good stories, but because they don't share a whole lot of them with people. They, you get ones that are uh, told instead of written. No, no, I definitely understand that. And we have the utmost respect for these cultures. We yeah. are so glad that there are stories out there that we can find and share with you. Um, and clearly, I mean, they're excellent storytellers. These are so fun. We've got some additionally 
some great stories for you. And I think that it's indicative of a very creative people. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's got a great imagination to it. It's a strong and alive world. Mm-hmm. And I feel like storytelling is a, a, a really big part of their mm-hmm. culture too, as it should be. Any, any good culture should be filled, filled with stories because people are endlessly creative. And I, I love seeing what people come up with, you know? Yeah. And, and really they have a lot of connection built in their, their own little, little mythology. Uh, people are connected to the world around them. Uh, some animals give themselves for food. Other animals eat and grow strong. Uh, it's a system that kind of works in its own way. And that's kind of where a lot of this shamanistic uh, tradition comes from. Well, here's our next story. This one is The First Woman. Uh, this one is from a different part of North America, and it starts off with the raven. So take a listen. You will be very lonely by yourself, said Raven to man one day. I will make you a companion. He went to a spot some distance from where he had made the animals, and looking now and then at man as an artist looks at his model, he made an image very much like man. He took from the creek some fine water grass and fastened it on the back of the head for hair. After the image had dried in his hands, he waved his wings over it as he had done with all the living things, and it came to life and stood beside man, a beautiful young woman. There is a companion for you, cried Raven. Now come with me over to this knoll over here. In those days, there were no mountains far or near, and the sun never ceased to shine brightly. No rain ever fell, and no winds blew. When they came to the knoll, Raven found a patch of long, dry moss, and showed the pair how to make a bed in it, and they slept very warmly. Raven drew down his mask and slept nearby in the form of a bird. Wakening before the others, Raven went down to the creek and made three pairs of fishes, sticklebacks, graylings, and blackfish. When they were swimming about in the water, he called to man, Come! Come and see what I have made! When the man saw the stickleback swimming up the stream with a wriggling motion, he was so surprised that he raised his hand suddenly, and the fish darted away. Look at these graylings, said Raven. They will be found in clear mountain streams, while the sticklebacks are already on their way to the sea. Both are good for food. So, whether you live beside the water or in the upland, you may find plenty to eat. He looked about and thought there was nothing in this land as lively as the fish in the water. So... He made the shrew mice, for he said, They will skip about and enliven the ground and prevent it from looking dead and barren, even if they are not good for food. He kept on for several days, making other animals, more fishes, and a few ground birds, for as yet there were no trees for birds to alight in. Every time he made anything, he explained to man what it was and what it would do. After this, he flew away to the sky and was gone four days, when he returned, bringing a salmon for man and his wife. He thought that the ponds and lakes seemed silent and lonely, so he made insects to fly over their surfaces, and muskrats and beavers to swim about near their borders. At that time, the mosquito did not bite as it does now. And he said to man, 
I made these flying creatures to enliven the world and make it cheerful. The skin of this muskrat you are to use for clothing. The beaver is very cunning, and only good hunters can catch it. It will live in the streams and build strong houses. And you must follow its example to build a house. When a child was born, Raven and Man took it to the creek and rubbed it with clay and carried it back to the stopping place on the knoll. The next morning, the child was running about, pulling up grass and the other plants which Raven had caused to grow nearby. On the third day, the child became a full-grown man. Raven one day went to the creek and made a bear and gave it life. But he jumped aside very quickly when the bear stood up and looked fiercely about. He had thought there ought to be some animal of which men would be afraid. And now he was almost afraid of the bear himself. Oh, you'd better keep away from that animal, he said. It is very fierce, and it will tear you to pieces if you disturb it. He made various kinds of seals and said to man, You are to eat these and take their skins for clothing. Cut some of the skins into strips and make snares to catch deer. But you must not snare deer yet. Wait until they are more numerous. By and by, another child was born, and the man and woman rubbed it with clay as Raven had taught them to do. And the next day, the little girl walked about. On the third day, she was a full-grown woman, for in those days people grew up very fast, so that the earth would be peopled. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just a, a different kind of take on uh, how things were created. And instead of all coming from one one source like a Sedna creature, um, everything was created by, by the raven around man. And yeah. There's an interesting <laughs> dynamic between the raven and man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, it, it felt very Adam and Eve-y for a, a lot of It definitely did. Comparison. Yeah, one was a creator, one was just a, a you know, a creation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm sure that there are other creation stories that are, are similar in that aspect. You know, there's, there's a first man and first woman probably in most creation stories in the world, right? But yeah. Here we're very familiar with Adam and Eve, so... That's what kind of we immediately go to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I, th- I feel like it's interesting that that Raven as a god is is the creator of the world. You know, yeah. Um, the ravens are exceptionally clever creatures, so it's it's fun to me that like and obviously in the story the the raven was a man right because he could shift yeah. into a bird so he i he i really like the line in there I, yeah i really like the line in there that he he lowered his mask and he yeah. became something else uh that is something that i, I want to know should, more about that yeah know? i kind of ran out of time to to really jump into that one but that's something that is a good little little nugget of research i'm sure <laughs> of what does that mean yeah uh, i feel like Ravens themselves, like like I was saying, they, they are exceptionally clever creatures, um, and for kind of the, this, I guess, totem raven god to be the one that's like, oh well, let me sit here and talk to you, man, and we're gonna make a woman for you, and we're gonna make this creature and this creature, and it's gonna do this thing, and here's what you need to know about this other thing, you know, it's a different, a, a really different way of just kind of 
creating. I, I just keep imagining in my brain, which is probably ridiculous, but mm-hmm. like the, this, <laughs> this wizard raven just pointing his wand all these places. Like, here's the beaver. Here's the mosquito. Blah, blah, that's blah. kind of that's kind of what it's about. He's just and and but, this is, and I've made three fish for you. And uh, and here we are. <laughs> And some of those names I remember were really hard to read. This is a region of yeah. very difficult names. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I don't envy you that at all. <laughs> I thought I thought the the mosquito part was really funny. They were like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna make the bugs so that everything you know like is rounded out and sounds nice." And then the mosquitoes, but they didn't bite. <laughs> like but they, they didn't bite. That, that's to me. That's a great hallmark of a story that has grown. Of a Definitely. story that has that has been retold and told by somebody who told it to somebody you know very specific that they cared about and and really wanted them to feel good about this story. Uh, <laughs> but don't worry about the mosquitoes. <laughs> don't worry about the mosquitoes. <laughs> uh, and it was fun just to hear the different creatures and then the ravens' explanations of them. You know, the beavers mm-hmm. great builders and they're clever. So if you want to hunt them, you're going to have to be smart too like reasonings behind specific things. And I felt like it was really, really interesting. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) another, another thing that really hit me was like, how long is a freaking day? Right. With those kids, like, okay, I'm a kid. I'm an adolescent. I'm an adult. But I think that goes back to what we saw with um, our our other wintertime stories a, a little while ago. There aren't a lot of stories that take its time to tell all of the the in between years. Those yeah. are the boring years. Like you said, for, yeah, exactly. They're boring. You're growing you up. You're you're it. making stupid decisions. You're not doing anything that's really going to last for a while. Um, well, and I think um, I, an interesting comparison with that <laughs> is like uh, growing up because I grew up Christian, right? Yeah. So the the seven days that it took for God to create the world or whatever. You know, there's never really any specific definition of what a quote unquote day is. You know, day a day could be millions of years. A yeah. day could be an hour. It could be anything, right? So that kind of is stretched f- to believe that, okay, maybe evolution is possible if it can be millennia, or not millennia, but like millions of years in between for each day, because that's what it require scientifically yeah, the time, time is totally relative and our and it could our be, own human perception think of it could think be of, just trying to justify science into religion but you know <laughs> that's another aspect here a day is clearly either really long or these kids grew super duper fast yeah another uh, another uh youtube channel that i've recently discovered is ants canada and it talks <laughs> About life from the perspective of ants. Oh my God, and Logan, you're my boy, favorite. Boy, I'm not. I'm not the biggest ant fellow, but this fella is really passionate about his bugs, and uh, he tells he tells this this really fascinating story of the way these ants live, uh, and for them, time is completely different of what is a day in of their course, life. Yeah. So really, think on the on the terms of a some cosmic being like a that's raven. That's a very good point. How long is a day? It's it's all in how you perceive it, right? Yeah. And Interesting. that's an immortal being, you know, maybe a day was whatever, you know. And we have sh- we have such short lives in comparison <laughs> that it makes I don't know. It's really interesting to think about it, and I'm going to stop us before we get too philosophical about it, but 
Yeah, we've got more um, stories to, to jump into. Interesting. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, so this is one that could be read a bunch of different ways. Um, but I kind of just feel like it's a story that has planted and grown and uh, is a, just a nice kind of bedtime story almost. Yeah. Uh, now, now this next one is a well, little first, bit of a different story. Oh, yeah. We're going to oh, do a we promo. Go. Oh, a promo. Sorry, yeah. I get excited for the next one. Okay. Well, hey, be excited. I don't mean to steamroll. <laughs> what fine. have we got? I just got to get this thing here because we want you guys to know about these ones. Oh, these are um, pretty cool, too. Yeah. Okay. So, our promo for this week is for a show called Tennish, the Tennish Podcast. If you couldn't guess from the title, basically, the Tennish Podcast. It's a comedy show, and it's a show where Nick and Brandon, they discuss the top 10 something at each week, right? Um, but a really fun twist that they do is that one of them brings the top 10, and then the other one has to guess what's on it before like they really get into it and talk about what's on the list, right? So it's a really fun concept. These guys are an absolute hoot. I think that you'll really enjoy it if if you're into comedy type podcasts you know they've they've got a huge variety of topics that they that they discuss so it it could be really anything you know you could pick and choose what seems interesting and but we do have a promo from them so we'll we'll let them tell you a little bit more about themselves so here we go yeah Hi, my name is Nick. I'm Brandon. We are the hosts of the Tennis Podcast, where every week we cover a different top tennis list. We cover lists such as the highest grossing films of all time, the best selling musicians of all time, the The sexiest mogwais, the richest leprechauns, the All this and more we cover on the Tennis Podcast. I had more. You can find us on all podcast players, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. All you gotta do is search for 10ISH podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TennisPod. And Brandon, what will we do if the listeners don't check out our podcast? We'll cut your fucking head off. Don't make us cut your fucking head off. Listen to the Tennis Podcast. Bye. All right, so that's the Tennis Podcast. Sounds pretty cool. Yes. Um, so give them a listen and we are going to creep crawl our way into our next story. Yeah. So have, a, have another Caesar. Uh, mine's, mine's doing all right. Um, <laughs> and this next one is Kanagsuak. Kanagsuak. These are some it. tricky names to say. These are, I Kanag, well done to those who have a language like this. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of digging into the, um, you know, hundred different words for snow. Uh, just while you're dealing with the Inuits. Uh, Is that a but thing, I, actually? I <laughs> would believe it. It's kind of a complex language with a lot of hard words to toss around. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're clearly not natives, so it, <laughs> it is foreign to our tongue. <laughs> yeah, so check out Kanagsuak. Kanagsuak, men say, went out from his own place to live on a little island, and there took to wife the only sister of many brothers. And while he lived there with her, it happened once that the cold became so great that the sea between the islands was ice-bound, and they could no longer go out hunting. At last they had used up their store of food, and when that store of food was used up, and none of them could go out hunting, they all remained lying down from hunger and weakness. Once, when there was open water to the south, where they had often caught seal, Kanagsuak took his kayak on his head and went out hunting. He rode out 
in a northerly wind with snow falling and a heavy sea, and soon came upon a number of black seal. He rode towards them to get within striking distance, but struck only a little fjord seal, which came up between him and the others. This one was easier to cut up, he said. Now when he had got this seal, he took his kayak on his head again and went home across the ice. And his house fellows shouted for joy when they saw the little creature he sent sliding in. Next day, he went out again and caught two black seal. And after that, he never went out without bringing home something. The north wind continued, and the snow and the cold continued. When he lay out waiting for seal, as now was his custom, he often wished that he might meet with Kilitrak, the great hunter from another place, who was the only one who would venture out in such weather. But this did not come about. But now there was great dearth of food also in the place where Kilitrak lived, and therefore Kilitrak took his kayak on his head and went out across the ice to hunt seal. And coming some way, he sighted Kanagsuak, who had already made his catch and was just getting his tow line out. As soon as he came up, Kanagsuak cut away the whole of the belly skin and gave it to him. And Kilitarak now felt a great desire for blubber and took some great big pieces to chew. And while he lay there, some black seal came up. And Kanagsuak said, Row in to where they are. And he rode into them and harpooned one and killed it on the spot with that one stroke. He took his bladder float to make a tow line fast and wound up the harpoon line. But before he had come to the middle, a breaking wave came rolling down onto him, and it broke over him, and it seemed indeed as if there were no kayak there at all. So utterly was it hidden by that breaking wave. Then at last the bladder showed up behind the kayak, and a little after, the kayak itself came up, with the paddles held in a balancing position. Now, for the second time, he took his bladder and line, and just as he came to the place where his tow line is made fast, there came another wave and washed over him so that he disappeared. And then he came up a second time. And as he came up, he said, I am now so far out that I cannot make my tow line fast. Will you do this for me? And then Kanagsuak made his tow line fast. And as soon as he had taken the seal in tow, he rode away in the thickly falling snow and was soon lost to sight. When he came home, his many comrades in the village were filled with great thankfulness toward him. And thereafter it was as before, that he never came home without some catch. A few days later, they awoke and saw that the snow was not falling near them now, but only far away on the horizon. And after the weather became fine again, and when the spring came, they began hunting birds, driving them together in flocks and killing them so. This they did at that time. And now one day they had sent their bird arrows showering down among the birds, and were busy placing the killed ones together in the kayaks. And then suddenly, a kayak came in sight on the sunny side. And when the stranger came nearer, they looked eagerly to see who it might be. And when Kilitarak came nearer, for it was Kilitarak who came, he looked round the kayaks, and when he saw Kanagsuak among them, he thrust his way through and came up close to him, and stuck his paddle in between the thongs on Kanagsuak's kayak, and then loosened the skin over the opening of his own kayak, and put his hand in behind, and drew out a splendid tow line made of walrus hide, and beautifully worked with many beads of walrus tooth. And a second time, he put in his hand and took out a piece of bearskin fashioned to the seat of the kayak. And these things he gave to Kanangsoak and said, Once in the spring, when I could not make my tow line fast to a seal, you helped me and made it fast. Here is that which shall thank you for that service. And then he rode away. Oh, man, that was a good story. 
That one is a story that I think my dad would like. Uh, that's like, <laughs> yes, that's, a, yes, that's like that a straight true. up, like he borrowed my thing. I returned a better one. Done. Fair is fair. And, and just, that's what I'm imagining in my brain is that amazing gif of, I don't know. Is it guy in a Buffalo? I think that's what it's from. That's yeah. Guy. Yeah. It's a totally guy in a Buffalo. stares at the camera and then gently nods. That's exactly what that makes me think. Of. This is this is the first action movie. This is, <laughs> but man, like uh, some of that fishing jargon, I don't know about. I I don't even know what a tow line is. I assume it's a line of something like a fishing. Oh, well, line the one the one thing that I that I something. kind of that I kind of know. I'm not a hunter, let alone a whale hunter, <laughs> but. Uh, I do know that when you kill something, you have to drag it back or carry it back to wherever oh, you that makes are going to carve it up. Like they tow it back in the boat. Okay. And I know these guys are going for seal and whale. I know. Uh, so My heart kind of broke a little bit the first time that, you killed that. That is a hard seal. part of this world. Um, no, but I understand they're starving. So yeah. But yeah. I just imagine like those cute little harp seals, and then my heart just breaks, and I'm like, don't kill it. But I also understand. <laughs> but I've also read stories of seal attacks in this world. Yeah, and I they, mean, they can be they very can be vicious. pretty scary too. Definitely. Uh, this is a world where nothing is just pure, cute, and cuddly. Uh, yeah, it's everything... like Australia, <laughs> the, the exact opposite across the world of Australia, but basically still everything there can hurt you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was interesting. I, I felt like kind of the moral of this was, you know, you do something good, you're gonna get rewarded in some way. You that's know? kind of kind that's of kind of just thing. it. It's a, one good turn deserves another. Exactly. It's a yeah. It's it could be a, a pretty slow moving western if you wanted it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean it was interesting because they first talk about icing over and kind of just waiting it out until their stores got low and they had to do something, you know? And I feel like that, uh, depending on where you are there, obviously, that's probably a very common thing to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they take a situation that they know exceptionally well and continually like, uh, make that part of the tales that they're telling, you know? You just imagine some dad sitting there with, you know, bunch of little, little kids in front of him being like, Daddy, tell us a story. And he's like, uh, uh he went fishing and, uh, yep. let and, me tell uh, you about <laughs> this stuff that <laughs> happened to him. And he I met this better hunter that he knew was going to be like that. That's the other part of it. There was the other hunter there yeah. who, from, from a different tribe or a different part of the world, again, going back to this, all of these stories are about there is a somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he meets this hunter from this other place. Legendary hunter gives him this rope and then sails, sails away. And I love the final shot. And then he sailed away. <laughs> and, and that's literally it. <laughs> and that's it. But I guess it makes sense because like, um, they can't, they can't go down to a hardware store and buy a length of rope. Right. Everything no, that they that, have, that they is have true. to make. If it's good, so it's have, a treasure. It's a, absolutely so to have this this amazing this amazing tow line, right? It's probably and I want to say godsend, but that feels like a weird word to say here. Unless he's a god, maybe we'll just say godsend. If if I'm your whole life revolves around making sure you get food back to your house or your family doesn't eat. Okay, you want a good tow line. Yeah, because it, it may or may not make the difference of whether that comes home, right? 
Yeah. You know, another creature could snatch it up from below. Um, well, well, good. A I'm variety gl- of things. I'm, I'm glad you're in the mood to accept that there is beauty in some of the simple things in this world, Lindsay, because Absolutely. that's kind of that's kind of our next story's next theme. Um, is it now? <laughs> in, in some ways. Uh, take a listen. This is Kivawick. Swept out to sea in his kayak, Kivawick, a man with supernatural powers, began a long journey. Fighting waves and whirlpools and a fierce storm, he drifted. As the storm lost strength and the sea became quieter, he saw land. As he drew close to the coast, he saw a stone house with a light burning. He landed and went in. An old woman named Arnatiang lived there. She was kind to him. She dried his boots, slippers, and stockings over her stone lamp and went out to cook a meal for him. When the boots and stockings were dry, he reached for them, but every time he was about to grasp them, the frame rose out of reach. He called to Arnatiang for help, but she simply told him to keep trying, and to sit in the house where she had been sitting when he entered. Arnatiang was a person of great supernatural power, and wished to eat Kivuik. Realizing that she planned to hurt him, Kivuik called his spirit helper, a large white bear who roared from under the floor of the house. At first... Arnatiang did not hear him, but as the bear got closer and closer to the surface, she rushed in, trembling with fear, and gave Kivuik his boots. With his stockings, boots, and slippers in his hand, Kivuik rushed out the door, which closed abruptly, tearing off the tail of his jacket. Kivuik kept on going and paddled away in his kayak. Traveling on, following the shore, he again came to a hut. He was wet and hungry, and went inside, finding a woman who lived all alone with her daughter. Her son-in-law was a log of driftwood with four boughs. Every day at low tide, they carried it to the beach. When the tide came in, it swam away. It returned each night with eight large seals. One day, it never returned. Kibowick married the daughter. He went sealing every day and was very successful. Preparing for the time when he would leave, he increased his supply of mittens by pretending each night that he had lost the mittens that he had that morning. In fact, he hid them in his jacket. His mother-in-law was jealous of her daughter and wanted to marry Kivuik herself. One day while he was hunting, she killed her daughter and put on her daughter's skin. She looked like a young woman, but when Kivuik came in and saw the bones, he realized what she had done. He left. He traveled on for many days following the shore. Again, cold and hungry, he came to a house with a light burning. Thinking it best this time to find out who was inside, He climbed to the window and looked through the peephole. An old woman, Asavang, sat on the bed. When she saw Kivuik at the window, she thought it was a cloud passing the sun and blocking the light she needed to work. She became angry and cut away her eyebrows and ate them. Ignoring the dripping blood, she kept on sewing. Kivuik decided that she must be a very bad woman and did not go in. After many days and nights of travel, Kivuik came to his own country. Boats came to meet him. They had been wailing and were towing a large whale. In the bow stood Kivuik's son, who had killed the whale, a small boy when Kivuik had left. He was now grown up and a great hunter. Kivuik's wife had taken a new husband, but she returned to him. <laughs> okay, we are back. <laughs> yeah. So, so this story for me. <laughs> Very adventury. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's this one is the Avengers for me. This is uh, this is the summer blockbuster. 
Okay. I was like, this doesn't feel like the Avengers at all. Okay. I see what you mean. Like the the story of the century for that. The story of the century, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For me, it was like very Odyssey. The Odyssey. Oh, yes. And I, yeah, if we want to go classical lit about this one, sure. Yeah. The Odyssey. The journey and then. Oh, brother, where art thou? Same deal. (laughs) Well, yeah, Yeah. it's based on the Odyssey, so that makes sense. (laughs) But really, like, um, but the, it's just, it's a hero with a thousand faces. It's the same story yeah, told yeah, yeah. a lot but of different I, ways. But I think that for me the thing was the parallel between him leaving, being gone for a super long time, and then coming back, and his suddenly his wife's there, and like she's like, "Oh, I'm married, but I'll take you back." It just felt like very Odysseus, you that, know. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if that's exactly what happens in the Odyssey, but you know, whatever. Pretty close. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the. <laughs> The, the but, places that he ended up were so weird. Yeah, he just goes on this madcap adventure I from mean, one weird little Arctic <laughs> hut to another. <laughs> like, like the creepy ass mother-in-law. Oh, Let's that, talk about that for a second. Oh, here's what's something that's even weirder. Okay, so what the hell? In I did it didn't it didn't come through in the narration. And this was an artistic choice because it was in parentheses. And in the stage world, parentheses are actions and directions for the actor, but not to be read aloud. Right. And it is the translation of her name. And it What's is her name? Of the her, mother-in-law? Yeah, the mother-in-law. And it is Spider. Ooh, how Joragumo. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I don't know if that fits anything I could really think of, but it's a... <sighs> But it's it's got that like ominous, creepy thing with it. Yeah, do 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man, I'm like, let me murder my daughter so I can take her place. To, that you was know, so. Oh wait, no, yeah, that wasn't that, that. wasn't Spider. No, the other, the, the yeah. Uh, that was, was it not that it's some different <laughs> the, one. The the, the, the the lady he meets later. Uh, the 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 one alone in the cabin. That one's like a Gerard girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that so the lady in the cabin. Yeah, sorry, I mixed up the spider? ladies. Yes, that's or what her name, her, her name translated over to it. Okay, so um, what the, the wait, fuck with the eyebrow cutting That's off? the one, yes, and yeah, that, tripping that down, whole that business. I bananas. Yes. What is, what is even happening? There's Didn't even like, care. I'm so ignorant. Did, I'm going to chop off my eyebrows. <laughs> who made, who made you'll these be sorry. decisions in yeah. this story? <laughs> And good, oh my old, good old Kimowick just keeps on rolling. He's out of there. Like, at some point, dude, stop peeking in other people's huts, all right? <laughs> Clearly, it's not going well for you. Yeah. Um, but man, yeah, the eyebrow cutting, the mother-in-law uh, murdering her daughter just so she can get with this guy. Interesting elements. To, to me, the closest that I kind of felt with Kibowick is Paul Bunyan. Just this story that, as it's a tall okay. tale, it grows clearly, and grows definitely. and becomes this. I mean, we have the exact same thing here in America. Uh, they're a little less prominent in our, in our pop culture these days, but uh, uh, their Kivawick is—he uh, sounds like a pretty cool dude. Like they're kind of Paul Bunyan. Yeah. No, no blue ox though. Yeah, but he does some cool, cool stuff, and <laughs> I bet you he's got some magic to him and. And knows how to fight, and knows how to fight a bear. And yeah, just I'm sure he does. I bet. As I, do you, of course. Oh, uh, I bet you, Kivwick. Oh, uh, Kivwick could teach you guys me. Would be could teach me besties. things about bear fighting. I, Definitely. I would. I would. 
I would bow before Kivowick's bear fighting skills. I feel <laughs> and like he would he, teach you. You would become his apprentice. I feel like he probably could outfight a bear more than I can outfight a bear. <laughs> if, I mean, not, honestly, not us against you each other, bear, but us against separate bears. I feel I, like he I would do better against his bear. Both of you. I would Thank you. That, that's very you. encouraging. Now, that being said, I tr- I've been accused of having hatred toward bears. I truly don't. I don't they're, believe that you do. They're a very fightable animal, but not a killable animal. And never, no, never. No, no, no. You would no. just be protecting yourself. There's yeah. no way you would seek out a bear. But I do get stuck in meetings sometimes and think, boy, it'd be cool if a grizzly bear broke in here right now. Oh, it'd be so freaking sweet. Oh, it would just, it would <laughs> blow up through the table. None of hey, this would be salvageable. Wrong. That PowerPoint would be gone. It would be <laughs> spectacular. And hey, you do what you need to do to get through meetings. I understand entirely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are a little bit soul-crushing, I won't lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but back to the story. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, Kibowick is is one of these stories of just a, it's a growing kind of tall tale. It's a cool story, and I actually think that Kivowick is probably one of the the easiest stories for them to share. If I had to guess, mm-hmm. if I if I had to meet a, an Inuit person right now, and I said, "Tell me a story," and they don't really know me, but they have no reason to distrust me, and yeah, sure, I'd probably get Kivowick first. Yeah, it's a great story. I mean, it's it's super weird, but it's really cool. <laughs> oh, it's very weird. Yeah, but I think a life up there is kind of weird. Uh, yeah. Well, and we may be missing some sort of context as well. You know? Yeah, and and I um, I can't mention this anywhere else. Lindsay, did you know that there's a story of a man who there's a lot of those. Yes, there's a story of a man who got lost. In, <laughs> he got lost in the Arctic up there, just to show you how li- how weird life is up there. A man who got lost in the ice up there, and he had to dig his way out of the ice using. Oh, are you ready for this? Oh no, a frozen piece of his own feces. That he froze, pressed into a knife, and stuck into the ice. And it froze like a shard of glass. I feel like there could be weirder things. He used it to dig his way out. Then he used it to carve up one of his dead sled dogs. Build a sled out of its rib cage and use it to tie to the other dog to get him back to the village. Is this legit a thing? This is a story that I read and it's insane. That is bananas. (laughs) Anyway, it's like a, maybe, this is a story from this world. This is a, this is, I couldn't record this one, but oh boy, I can absolutely retell every detail because it's burned in my mind forever. <laughs> this is a world that does not pull punches about its stories. No. And it is a world that is very weird. And it is one that is scary and spooky. And you value your family and you, you know who you can trust and... Well, talking about va- valuing family, back back to Kibowick for a second. Yeah. And I think you're right. Absolutely, family values would have to be abundant and plentiful because that's who you're with constantly. Because that's the opposite of this. Yeah, right? that's, that's what um, the... So, why wouldn't he go back to his family? Like, he's gone for ever he takes another wife while he's well gone and- sometimes a man just has to has <laughs> well, to go I, on a good adventure I, you know you gotta you gotta see what's out but, there like, how is there no fire under his butt to get back to his wife and his kid you know well and, home like, will be there it's not 
<laughs> but then he gets home and his wife is just like, oh, okay, I'll just leave this other dude. And yay, you're back. Everything's fine. That is something I, I again, I can't really speak yay or nay on it, but I have found mentions of, uh, you know, of more interesting uh, marriage arrangements than monogamy up there. That's fair. Uh, yeah, well, so that's fair. I mean, a- it, it may be something similar to like um, kind of what the the pioneers i guess did here in utah with with the one man multiple wives that's thing, just you a, know up there and i think I it think, probably grew from a need for survival really and that, uh, and that's part of what they it was like a here it was like a let's populate the area quickly and whatever i from what i understand i don't know i could be totally wrong but um you have more hands to go hunting the the more food you're going to find, but then the more mouths you have to feed too. So it's yeah. kind of a give and take there for sure. Mm-hmm. But, but this and, is uh, <laughs> yeah, just to kind of tie it all up. This is a this is a harsh, harsh world that yeah. is full of a lot of magic, and I'm so glad that I had a chance to kind of explore it a little bit. This is something that's been really fun to jump into, and I'm glad we got to share it with you folks. Uh, yeah, I'm really I, glad I, too. I, yeah, I hope uh, hope everyone out there liked it. Uh, it's been a fun thing to jump into. Yeah, these were definitely really interesting. Um, if you have thoughts on them, uh, let us know. Reach out to us. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. And we are at Twitter at... At Folklore Rocks! <laughs> that was the raven um, coming back for an encore. Yes. On that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also, we've got some pictures, notes, sources, and all that jazz at our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. Um as ever, we have a Patreon if you'd like to contribute to us continuing to make the show. Uh, we have a PayPal button on the site if you don't want to do a monthly monthly contribution. Um, we do have a merch shop coming very, very soon. Um, we've decided on the products. We've decided on the designs. Um, we're just working on actually getting them onto the site and posted and ready for you guys to peruse. Um, so it's coming exceptionally soon. Uh, with the Patreon tiers, you do get benefits for the merch shop. So that's definitely something to look at there. Um, uh, again, free stickers if you write us a review and you send us in a screenshot of get that. Get your stickers, eh? Get yeah. your stickers. They're really cool stickers. They're made, they're printed on vinyl, so they'll stick anywhere, indoor, outdoor. Um, if you just want a, a handful, all you got to do, leave a review and let us know, you know. Um, and they and they come to you in a really super neato envelope. And uh, I, I generally handwrite a note with them. And I even have a super neato wax stamp that I put on the envelope. So if you want mail <laughs> and some cool stickers and a cool little wax stamp with an L on it, you know, that's yeah. all you got to do is leave a review. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat. cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> and when we hit a hundred of those, we're going to do a bonus episode oh. as we've talked about before. And, and that'll be a cool one. A really cool one. A listener selected creature. So you get some say in what you want to hear from. And that would probably be the only way we would end up doing anything like Bigfoot or Nasty or Chupacabra <laughs> is if it's something you guys selected. Um, so tell your friends, get the word out. Um, as Logan 
mentioned last week, tell your enemies too. Yes. Tell, tell, tell all those around you. <laughs> tell everybody. Folklore on the rocks. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's so great. It, hel- it helps us immensely. We really appreciate any time you guys uh, talk about us in any, in any way, shape, or form. Let your friends know. Let your enemies know. Like, talk about us to your dog. We don't care. You know, like, just spread the word. I would love to meet your dog. That seems... He absolutely S- would love to meet your dog. Sign me up. <laughs> I would love to meet your dog, too. But Logan probably would want to meet your dog a lot more. I'll be ambassador to the dogs. It's fine. He you, he just kind of mind melds with pups. Yeah. You know, he does. <laughs> he understands them on a primal level. It's wonderful. <laughs> we get along. We see eye to eye on a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. And we really thank you guys for listening. And we hope you'll tune in to us next Sunday. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.